today's read, Midnight and the Meaning of Love by a Sister Soldier, Chapter 19, Sudana Salem Ahmed Amin. Standing still on my Brooklyn block, something I don't ordinarily do, I waited for Naja's school bus to pull up. Although lots of kids were getting back from school, Naja's bus was green, not yellow, and stood out because it had Khadija's Islamic School for Girls displayed on the whole of one side. Where's Miss Marcy? Naja asked, smiling. Your big brother is here instead, I teased her. Come on. I held her hand and walked her over to the cab waiting on the curb where I had been standing. Uma was inside. The meter was running and their suitcases were in the trunk. Hey, where are we going? Umi, Uma. Naja crawled into the cab and threw her arms around Uma, causing her to push back against her seat. Naja kissed all over Uma's face as Uma laughed and tried to gently push her off. Naja's book bag fell onto the cab floor. I closed their door and then jumped into the front seat. The Bangladeshi driver's experienced eyes surveyed me carefully. Without words, he let me observe that I was not supposed to be in his front seat. Without words, I remained, pulled some cash out my pocket, and began counting it to calm him down. I directed him to Uma's job and instructed him to wait. By then, the meter read $19.50, so I peeled off a 20 and handed it to him. Wait here. I'll be right back and pay you double. My suitcases are in your trunk, so don't pull off. I let him see me looking at his driver's identification number and photo posted on his dashboard. No problem. You are a good customer, he said. Allah Hafiz, I said, a small sign to him that we are all Muslims and he should simply do his job and act honorably with us. I told Naja to get out so we would both walk Uma inside. There was no way I would leave her sitting and waiting in the cab while I escorted Uma. Oh man, I thought we were all going to go out to eat or do something fun. This is Uma's job again, she complained softly. Pop the trunk, I told the driver when Naja and I arrived at Mr. Ghazali's house in the Bronx. Come out, Naja. Suitcases? Okay, what's going on? She asked me. You'll see, I told her. Then before I could knock on the fence or ring the bell, Sudana opened it. All smiles as if she didn't have one problem in the world. Salam alaikum, Sudana. You told me to come back soon and visit you. I wasn't planning on it, but I guess I'm here, Naja said playfully. Don't you like my house? I made sure I got here early just so I could see you, Sudana said to Naja. Me? Oh, my brother, Naja asked smartly. Both of you. Sudana embraced it. Is your father home? I asked her. Lesa, Sudana said, meaning no. Everybody in my house is either at work or school. I, so I'll put these suitcases downstairs and then I'll leave. I got the key, I told Sudana. 
Leave, Naja said, surprised. Sudana has agreed to watch you while I'm out and while Uma is at work, I explained. Then what are the suitcases for, Naja pushed. When I get back tonight, I'll explain everything to you, okay? Naja nodded yes, but pouted also. I opened the side door to the basement apartment and brought the suitcases inside. Sudana and Naja both followed me instead of going in the front door and remaining upstairs in the house, which is what I expected them to do. Aren't you two going upstairs? I asked. Yes, I'll take Naja up. I cooked something for her. I know you're hungry after school and all, right? Sudana asked Naja. Yep, long as it's good, Naja answered. Tell Sudana thank you, I corrected Naja. You already know that it's good because Sudana cooked it. Sudana's smile lit up the dim basement. Her hazel eyes sparkled like pretty marbles or glow-in-the-dark trinkets. Come on, let's go up, I told them. Sudana followed me. Naja followed Sudana. Outside in the warm air, I watched them go in the front door. Sudana turned toward me and asked, Can you come inside for a minute? Since your father's not here, I'll just leave now, I told her with certainty. It's important. Just for three minutes, Sudana said, and then made the kind of face that older people make when they don't want to speak freely in front of a child. So I said, okay, three minutes, and then I gotta go. Inside, Sudana whisked Naja away into a back room, the kitchen, I guessed, I heard the plates and cups clinking and then heard a television come on, a loud commercial blaring out before Sudana must have lowered the volume. I heard Naja's little hands clapping because she is never allowed to watch television when we are in our Brooklyn apartment. Sudana emerged alone. Would you take off your shirt, please? She requested. What? Take it off. I need to see something, she said with a straight face. Nah, I'm out, I told her. On the back of your shirt, there is a small spot of blood. It seemed fresh, and I want to see your wound, she said, as though she were a medical professional. I can take care of it for you. I'm going to become a doctor in the future, and my sister Basima is already in medical school and training to become a doctor also. So I know well how to treat a wound. Please, Sit down and let me look at it. Not in your father's house. I denied her. Okay, then. We'll step downstairs to your apartment. It is yours for the month, right? She said, smiling politely, not like a come on, but as if she were already a nurse. She left the room and returned with the medical bag. I figured it had to be Basima's bag. It will be quick, I promise. Oh, but it does depend on how bad it is. If it is something I cannot handle, I'll send you straight to the hospital. It's not that serious, I assured her. I'm definitely not going to the hospital. Follow me, she said. She opened the door that led to the basement apartment and went down six steps. She turned around facing me and said, You can sit here on the steps so we can hear Naja if she calls us or comes. Sudana flipped a switch and a bright light shined down on the stairs. 
She was standing over me and I was seated. Take it off. I won't look at you as a man. I will look at you only as a patient. I didn't believe her. Women are all emotion, I thought to myself, recalling my father's lessons. Yet, I found myself cooperating with her anyway. I reminded myself that last time she had put me to sleep using some strange technique and pressing down on the center of my head with her two fingers. I pulled off my shirt. She saw my gun. I moved it out from my waist and laid it down on the stairs beside me, facing the wall. When my chest and shoulder and back were bare, Sudana looked at me like a woman looks at a man. I could feel her heart softening. I could see it also in her eyes. She caught herself and redirected her energy. She began unwrapping the cut from my duel with Sensei. When she saw the whole thing, she suddenly made a sound sucking the air in through her teeth as though the wound was worse than she expected and as if she felt my pain also. The sound she made with her mouth made me feel something that I was trying not to feel. She opened her medical bag and used her free hand to begin searching through the items inside. Wait one minute, she said. I'll be right back. She returned with a needle and a cigarette lighter and some hefty thread. You need stitches, she said confidently. She set herself up on the stairs. She cleaned my wound first. The cold alcohol against my warm skin and her light touch and gentle rub with the clean cotton felt way better than when I had wrapped the wound myself. She flicked on the lighter and burned the tip of the needle until it turned black. Then she swiped the thread with alcohol and threaded her now sterilized sewing needle. This is going to hurt a little, but help a lot, she said softly, standing so close to me that I could feel her body heat separate from the warmth of the atmosphere. She stood so close that I could see the texture of her pretty lips and smell her seductive Sudanese scent. She pierced my skin with the needle and it pinched, but wasn't nothing to me really. I gave you 10 stitches. You really only needed eight, but just to be sure, when you leave on your trip, Akimi can take your stitches out. I can write her a note and tell her exactly how to do it or maybe she knows how to do it already, Sudana said, smiling. She was a subtle and seductive teenage female. I understood all her hidden messages, even though I never acknowledged them. Looking up at her, I broke out in my first genuine smile of my day. So handsome, Sudana whispered. Please, don't smile at me. She packed up her medical bag quickly. The second she had it all organized, she brushed by me, climbing the six stairs and flicking off the light as she moved up. Put your shirt back on, she gently ordered me. I'm sorry, 
She apologized while my back was toward her. For what? I asked her without turning around. I tried, but I ended up looking at you as a man, not as a patient, she said softly. Switching to Arabic, she added, Now I can never take back what I've seen and what I felt, and I don't even want to. Our language in this situation, seated in the dark staircase of her home, aroused me. I threw my shirt on swiftly and stood right up. Sudana, I called her back. I'm going to lock this door from the inside and go down here to make my prayer. I'll leave from out the side exit, okay? She nodded knowingly. As Muslim, we needed prayer to keep our minds right and our actions also. When I ring your bell, meet me outside so you can lock your fence. Oh, and thank you for healing me, I told her. She smiled and moved her eyes away. When I pressed her bell, she came to the door alone. She handed me a man's shirt without looking at me. It's my older brother's shirt. You can wear it for now since you have that blood spot on the back of your shirt still. Thanks, but I'm good. I'll take care of it, I said. Outside in the sunlight, she seemed embarrassed to look at me, even though now she had seen much more of me than she was ever supposed to. So I didn't stare at her either. I shifted my eyes and said, I'll see you. I mean, I'll see your family tonight when I bring my Uma. On my way to practice, I picked up a new shirt and white tee from a random shop. I stuffed my old shirt with the blood spot in my back pocket and just rocked it like that. I wasn't about to leave my clothes at any woman's house who was not my wife from here on in. In my mind, I pictured crazy-ass bangs taking my hoodie to some zany fortune teller and started laughing, even though I was alone.